The discussion doesn't always stop when we say goodbye on the air. In this week's Lone Star Politics Extra, we're continuing our conversation with radio conservative talk show host and Dallas Morning News columnist Mark Davis. Thank you both for letting me join you. <laughs> it is Julie's testimony. She scarcely showed up in the actual on-air segment. Run your DVRs and please get back to us on that. I think you are a major part of it. Exactly, well, thank you. Exactly. Plus, we. Uh, this is just a normal phone telephone conversation. Exactly right. I, mean, I present a challenge no matter what room exactly. that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks uh, for um, being here and letting me again join you. Let's let's start with again. We talked a little bit on the show about everything going on in Austin right now. I mean, this turmoil. The speaker. We you know we talked about how a year's a lifetime in politics. He's got some time here. He absolutely does. If there's anything that we've learned, whether it's some Trump story or some outrage story where somebody's mad at some Republican or mad at some Democrat, give it time to percolate. And in most cases, it goes away, if it has room and latitude to go away. Uh, in this very odd story of Dennis Bonin and an apparent quid pro quo with Michael Quinn, Quinn Sullivan, yeah, we'll give you those credentials for the House floor, Michael, <laughs> if you uh, get off our backs and, uh, and maybe we'll even help you target these 10 people. That is so slimy. And yet, a couple of things operate in, in Dennis's favor. The huge amount of time between now and his next uh, pitch for speaker. Of course, the election itself is, is intervening. But the other thing is, Aren't there a lot of people watching right now who think stuff like that happens pretty well all the time? And the only difference this time is somebody had tape running. Is this oh so shocking? And to some people it is because to hear something and everybody that's heard the tapes say it looks really bad for Bonin. But we'll see if that's just a, a, a barroom talk among political junkies or if it's something that spreads out and, and develops additional legs. Why in the heck did Bonin take a meeting with Michael Q? Well, if, if all, all we can do is judge by what's on the tape, and all I have is secondhand uh, knowledge of what's on the tape from people who have heard it, but they all say the same thing. So maybe, uh, uh, please I mean, understand. Theory, I mean. <laughs> understand that Michael Quinn Sullivan drives some people crazy. Uh, it's, it, because they, we've just come through, and, and that to me is quite frankly a compliment. And here's what I mean. If you've come through a session that was unsatisfying to a lot of conservatives, not all, but to many, uh, from Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, and Speaker Bonin, they all want conservatives is to think that this past session was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Guess what? It wasn't. It was good in many ways, wanting in some other ways. Michael Quinn Sullivan is going to always be the guy who says that this session was pretty darn right. unsatisfying. He will be a tormentor and a thorn in the side of Bonin for as long as Bonin is speaker. Is Bonin better than Joe Strauss? Good Lord, yes. But is so, so there's that. And so if Bonin can do something to get Michael Quinn Sullivan kind of off his back, because remember the quid pro quo seemed to be uh, leave me alone, uh, leave Mr. Burroughs alone, who, by the way, has resigned as yeah, House uh, right. uh, Conference Chair now. And, and oh, by the way, I'll even help you target 10 guys. Uh, if, that, if that earns you, if, if Michael Quinn Sullivan takes him up on that, that's a good day for Dennis Bonin. Finally, having it go public is a bad day for Dennis Bonin. Here's what I think is so surprising to people. Dennis Bonin, really, on both sides of the aisle, there were Democrats, we had Democrats on our show that said he had a good session. Republicans said he had a good session. Yes. You may not personally agree with that. I think that, it was a good session. I don't think it was a great session, but you, you phrased it exactly right. Any session where you come out and a whole lot of Democrats say it was a good session, is problematic from a deeply conservative perspective. If you're one of these sort of go along to get along, reach across the aisle, 
you know, as, as a Republican, as a conservative, I've, I've seen people reach across the aisle for years and, and they get slapped, they get owned, we get played. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing conservatives fight for conservative values. And, and by the way, which the left has done forever. The left ain't reaching across the aisle to anybody. For, in Texas, it happens sometimes nationally, not really. Let's have everybody take to their corners, fight for what they believe in. The, the common ground is largely a myth in most ways. Usually it's, it's, it's liberals, Democrats fight for what they want. Republicans, conservatives fight for what they want. Somebody wins, somebody loses, and that's how things actually get done. Let, let's shift gears for, for a moment here and talk about some local politics on a congressional level. Your, your old buddy, uh, Pete Sessions, who's been on this show many times, yep. he says he's going to make up his mind next month in September to whether he Oof. will run again against Colin Allred. Do you... Are you looking for a rematch there? Do okay. you think there should be a rematch? I'm, I'm not privy. Pete and I have been friends forever, right. and he actually you know, texts me stories every once in a while, but it's not like he's been in my ear saying, I'm really thinking about running. So I don't have a radar on whether he will. Uh, someone, another friend of mine, Beth Van Dyne, uh, is, is announcing in the Marchant seat. Right, right. Uh, and so you, you take a look at it, is there... So there are a couple of candidates uh, already in 32 on the Republican uh, I, I side. Wait, but Beth Van Dyne is on the margin right. side. That's 24. Floyd, Floyd McClendon. McClendon. I, the reason I mention that is, right. is, I guess it's because she's a big name. She's the kind of thing that might make other people think about not running in 24. Uh, in, in Floyd McClendon, uh, Genevieve she, Collins. Exactly. Those are uh, exactly. Right. Uh, you have some people. That, that's going to be an interesting race. Pete would come in and instantly be the big dog. and He's trying to get that seat back. I love him. That doesn't matter. Uh, I hate it that he lost. That doesn't matter. Here's, here's the question. In 32, which is not the deepest blue district, not every district's gonna give you Louis Gohmert, uh, is there an appetite for Pete's return? I do not know the answer to that question. Is there an appetite for getting the seat back in Republican hands? Yes. Is it winnable? Yes. Is Pete the best candidate to do it? I, I, that's not up to me. There's the appetite, though, for keeping it in the Democratic hands, oh, there, just there as sure well. Is. I mean, that, I can't imagine the money that we're going to see being spent here on the, uh, the Kenny Marchant races and the Colin Allred. And Colin seat. Allred's the incumbent now. Yeah. And there's the power of the incumbency. And I've said this about Republican and Democrat incumbents: you are not going to beat an incumbent by and large unless there's unless there's a desire to fire that incumbent. Allred has been. Uh, he's just kind of been there and doing the right thing. I mean, he's. I think he's going to be hard to beat. Mark, we got to cut it off there. We appreciate you joining us. Thank Come back you. and see All us. Right. Check it out. My pleasure.